Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abrahams, and I'm so excited for you to hear our final episode of season one. We threw our first live storytelling event in Oakland, California, where some of our friends told stories to over 100 people. Today's episode is a compilation of stories from that event. The first one you'll hear comes from Danny, who you may recognize from her episode, Wanderlust. This story is about a time when she studied abroad and didn't take any shit from a white man. I want you to breathe all this in, breathe all this in. This is You Had Me at Black, the podcast where black millennials tell true life stories. So tonight, I want to tell you all a story about what runs in my family, okay? So the number one thing that runs in my family, amongst the women in my family, is that we don't take shit off of no one. We just can't do it. We won't do it. We just, it's not possible. (laughs) So I'm going to start with a story about my great-great-granny, and I'm going to tell you a story about me. So when I was little, my grandmother told me a story about her grandmother. Um, Her name was Miss Mary Willie. To everybody who was not family, to family, she was mama. So mama, back in the 1940s, owned her own business, and she worked as a business owner doing laundry. Okay, so she used to do laundry, mostly white folks. Um, You know I gotta give the shout out. Um, She did laundry for mostly white folks. Okay, that was most of her clientele. So one day, one of her regulars came up to pick up the laundry. She used to do it out of her house. And my great aunt, who was an infant, was playing on the front yard, like her little baby buggy. And this white woman comes walking up the line, and my great-great-grandmother is there to meet her, and she goes, hi, Miss Mary Willie. She sees my my great-aunt and goes, oh, look at that cute little pickaninny. And for those of you who don't know, pickaninny is a very derogatory term for little black children, right? And it was used during slavery. So it was at that moment, my great-granny, great-great-granny had a choice. She could either let it go, right? It's the 1940s, it's Missouri, it's a small community, like all of her clientele are white folks. So if she has the wrong reaction, that could cost her her business, that could cost her her livelihood. Or she could keep it real. So mama chose to keep it real, and she went right back in the house, grabbed the woman's clothes, walked out to the front porch, threw them on the lawn, and told her to get the hell out and to keep her money. So that's one story. Now we're going to flash forward 70-some years to my story. So it's 2012. I decided I'm going to go on this huge adventure. I'm going to go to South Africa. I'm going to study abroad. Um, So I go through my school get connected to student housing, and they put me in this big, like, eight-bedroom house. So I have, like, seven other roommates, six of them are boys, and it's, like, two French boys, two German boys, two white boys from North Carolina, and, like, one Mexican girl. But, like, after a week of being in South Africa and seeing what it was like in the racial climate, she started telling everybody about her great-grandmother, who was full-blood Spanish. So it was like, okay, well... (laughs) Guess it's just me. But I got lucky, it wasn't just me. Um, there was another black girl who lived in a cottage that was like off the side of the house in another property. 
Um, and she was from LA, so right away, me and her were like. <laughs> um, and then we had this landlord, and his name was Phil. And Phil was this like really like stocky Afrikaner man. For those of you that don't know, Afrikaners are the descendants of these Dutch settlers slash invaders, depending on who you're talking to, um, who make up a large part of the white community in South Africa, right? And they're renowned for not being the most racially um, friendly, liberal, whatever, you know, group of white folks in South Africa. So this guy was like the quintessential bully. And like now that I look back on it, he really reminds me of Donald Trump. Like, I mean, every, like, he had wispy hair, you know, he was really stocky, and he used to just kind of, like, puff up his chest and walk around and, like, everybody's going to do what I say, and I'm always right. Um, so that was the situation I was living in. And it started off cool with Phil. My roommates were always cool. Those were my brothers. Um, but then Phil started to get too familiar. Like, I'd wake, <laughs> I'd wake up... <laughs> wake up in the morning, you know, and around the boys, I was comfortable. So like, it wasn't a big deal for me to like wear a t-shirt and walk around the house. But not when Phil's sitting in my kitchen at 7 a.m. You know, and it wasn't a big deal, because it was Africa, it was hot, I didn't have air conditioning. It wasn't a big deal for me to walk around in a sports bra in the house. But with Phil, you know, just standing there all the damn time, it was, and it wasn't something that I was comfortable with. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna be level-headed, I'm gonna talk to the man, like, we don't have no beef, he's been cool. Um, so I said, you know, hey, it's, I'm just kind of uncomfortable. Like, you know, can you let us know when you come to the house and we can plan for it and what? I, no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> no. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be cool about this. Like, I'm not gonna get mad. Don't get mad, Danielle. So I was like, you know, maybe I'm tripping. You know, maybe this is the norm in this country. Like, I'm a foreigner. Maybe the landlords are always up in the houses in South Africa. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so a couple weeks go by, and um, one evening, I'm sitting out on the porch with the boys, and we're just having a good time. The sun is just setting, and we're drinking beers, and we're just hanging out, chilling. Um, the mosquitoes started to get to us, and we we're like, oh, okay, we're going to go inside. And then two of the boys go, well, we're going to go out. So some of us go inside, some of them leave the house. So at this point, we're sitting in like the living room, and we hear this loud, like, diesel truck. So Phil drove this diesel truck. And I think I have PTSD, because to this day, whenever I hear a diesel truck, I, like, flinch. Um, and he comes storming into the, the living room where we're sitting and just starts cursing us out. So it turned out that when the other boys had left, they left this um, remote control gate open. And Phil was always fussing at them, like, yo, close the gate. White South Africans are very like hyper-paranoid about security. Part of it is like post-apartheid propaganda. The rest is just like, you know, crime really is at a higher rate out there, so it really is a problem. Um, and they left the gate open, so Phil was pissed that the boys left the gate open. We didn't know it was open. So he's ranting and raving and just smelling like he's sweating vodka and like he's obviously drunk, you know? Um, and to open and close the gate, there was like a receiver on the wall that was a phone. You lift it up, you push the button, it closes it. So Phil's just like foaming at the mouth. We're all looking at him like, no reaction from us, you know, because we know that at the other property that he owned, he'd been trying to goad the other students into like 
taking them on and trying to get in a fight. So we're like, we're not gonna do this with you, dude. So he sees we're not gonna take the bait, and he gets pissed, and he yanks the phone, all the cords, all the wires out, straight out. So I was like, mm -hmm. nope, 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 nope. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the next day I told the other black girl, Vivi, I was like, yo, Vivi, I'm about to um, file a complaint at the housing, at the housing department. And she goes, oh, I was gonna file one too. You wanna file one together? And I was like, yeah, girl. <laughs> So she w was gonna file a complaint because she lived in the cottage and the cottage ended at the driveway and Phil would come up in his diesel truck and park right in front of her window. And it would sound like a diesel truck engine in your room and like the window panes would shake. So she asked him multiple times, please don't park there. And he said, no. <laughs> so we filed the complaint, the director of housing comes out, he's this white man, turns out later that he's like a good friend of Phil's and that's why he was getting all the contracts for housing for students, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so we sit down and it's like he, he says, she said, and it's like, okay, tell your side of the story, tell your side of the story. So Phil goes first, no one interrupts him, we just sit there looking. Then as soon as we go, guess who has to interrupt us every five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 35 seconds, like every point that we make, Phil has an interruption. It got so bad to the point where the housing director had to ask him, please let them talk, which pissed him off more. So now he's sitting there folding his arms and mussing up his hair and, and puffing his chest out and he's just mad, right? But he had to stay mad because the housing director took our side. <laughs> so, you know, they're like, okay, next time you come to the property, you need to give them notice. You don't need to be here unless you're doing maintenance and stop parking in front of her goddamn window. So he was mad about it, and he goes, well, you know, if I can't park in the driveway, no one can park there, no one's parking there anymore, new rule. So we're just like, mm, whatever. So, and of course, the boys don't abide by it. You know, the boys do whatever, and he knows it. So he's come over to the house multiple times, sees the boys' guests parked in the driveway, does nothing. But he was giving notice about when he was coming over, so I was like, this is a victory, I'm gonna celebrate. So I had a friend, one of like the first white South African friends that I made when I moved out there. And like, she was the nicest girl, like super nice. She used to give me rides home from school all the time. You know, she's taking me to her house. She's like, hey girl, I'll cook lunch for you. I'm like, no, stop, but do. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm gonna cook dinner for you. Like come over my house because she went to an international elementary school and she was like, I just miss being around people who aren't South African. I was like, word, I got Germans and French people and Americans, come on over. Um, so we're cook I cook dinner for her, we're having a good time. I have her park in the driveway like everybody else does. And next thing I know, I hear this fucking diesel engine. <laughs> and it's like, I had no notice, I'm just like, fuck. So I, you know how they, the saying, um, if you stay ready, you never have to get ready? So I stay ready. <laughs> So I come up to the front door and I'm like, I'm like, hey Phil, how can I help you? Before he can even like cross the threshold and get in the house. And he goes, whose truck is that? I was like, that's my friend's car. Why do you ask? And he goes, well, it's getting towed. So I look behind him and sure enough, there's not one, not two, but three tow trucks, y'all. Three! <laughs> so this is four white men, and they're all looking at me like, mm-hmm, yep, what you gonna do? So at that point, 
I had two choices, right? I could let it go. I'm just one little black girl. This is four white men. I'm in South Africa. This is not my country. Like, I don't have no people that I can call to be like, yo, bail me out of jail or whatever. <laughs> um, or I could stand up for myself. So my choice was to tell him, there's one thing that you're not gonna do tonight, and it's touch my friend's car. <laughs> and then from there, it's just kind of like a blur. <laughs> it's a blur. And it's not just that I was angry. You know, it was more than just being mad, right? It's like the injustice of it, right? Because you knew exactly why he was doing that to me. You know, because I was a black girl that stood up to him and he had a problem with it and he made it his mission in life to teach me a lesson. So I decided, oh no, no, no. I've learned my lessons. You're gonna learn tonight. <laughs> so I told him all about himself. I was like, you a punk ass bitch, da 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 da. <laughs> like, ain't nobody scared of you. Phil, he kissed my ass. You may have all these little European students scared, but I'm not scared. I'm from Stockton, California. <laughs> all of it all of it and I ran him right off his property right out the gate and so I'm standing there he's climbing back in his car all the dudes in the tow truck are looking like and like the look on their face was the best part right because it was like it went from a sneer to like shock you know and I just felt this thing inside of me and it was more than just adrenaline y'all I promise you it was not just that I was angry you know everybody always wants to talk about angry black women angry black women blah 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 and it's not about anger, it's about all the shit that we have to put up with that nobody else has to. So if we get fed up, all of a sudden we're angry black women. No, I'm, bitch, I'm just fed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, I'm still cursing him out. He's back in his truck and they're all pulling out. And I stood outside the gate, so I'm in between the wall and the street and I'm right behind his truck. So I'm like, go back to your house, blah, blah, blah. Um, he gets in his car and he revs the engine twice and he throws it in reverse and almost hits me. So I had to jump out of the way, you know, but I'm so pissed off, I'm so fed up. I, I don't know, I guess I was like Denzel in training day. I was like, <laughs> throwing my arms, I was like, oh, you gonna hit me, Phil? <laughs> then hit me. And he drove off. <laughs> And I've never told my mom this story, you guys. I never told my family this. I was like, it's been three years and I just don't want to bring that up. Um, so anyways, I calmed down. I went back. All, my, all the boys were like, oh, shit, Danielle. Um, and then it like dawned on me. I was like, oh, shit, somebody just tried to kill me. <laughs> so I, you know, I texted the housing coordinator. I was like, yo, this fool just tried to kill me. Like, get me out of here. And they moved me out a month later. I never saw Phil again. Stayed there for the rest of my stay and had a good ass time. Made so many friends, it was wonderful. Um, but when I think about that story, I think about, I'm comforted, right? Like it's a wild story. It's, I hate letting anyone take me there. And like, you guys don't know me, but I'm the most chill person in the world. Like you hear my voice, you hear how soothing this is, right? <laughs> But I feel comforted because I know that whenever I need it, there's something there. 
that was passed down to me generation and generation and generation. And I can pull on that because I always have two choices. And all I have to do is choose the latter. Thank you. Up next is Dara. She told a hilarious story earlier this season called No Thank You. This one is about the craziest drug trip of her life. I woke up in pitch darkness and I was immediately terrified. My back was pressed against the wall and I was trying my best not to scream because you know, I, I was fairly independent as far as three-year-olds go. I didn't want to ask anybody for help. I mean, I was the girl who had, for the first time, finally taken advantage of nap time because I spent the night before counting the stars and looking at my goofy poster, wondering how come he got to walk, but Pluto didn't get to walk, because that's a dog, and that's a dog. Also, it's now just occurring to me, Mickey Mouse is a mouse. Like, I know mouse is in the name, but like, he's a mouse. That's not what a mouse looks like. What's, it kept me up all night. Even just that morning, I had entertained myself when I did a lot of mornings, playing my xylophone. My parents obviously had some very sadistic friends who gifted it to me. And I played my favorite song, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud and it rang all throughout the apartment. But this was nighttime, and I had been sniffly and a little phlegmatic. Gone to bed early. And when I woke up, I was surprised to find that there was a monster coming out of the head of my favorite doll, my previously favorite doll. Now, obviously, she is a traitorous bitch. The monster looked like uh, poop stacked up on itself, rising out as if it was being played like a snake. And I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe I was dreaming, but it didn't seem like I was dreaming. And eventually I just gave up and started screaming. My mom came into the room frantic. What's going on? What's wrong? I'm like, there is a poop monster coming out of her head. Um, as you might imagine, she was confused, uh, but still a little bit worried. She grabs me up, she asks me if I still see it, and yes, I still see it, and please get that thing away from me. Pulls me into the living room, and the first thing she thinks to do is call the doctor. <laughs> the doctor says, hmm, she was a little sick, right? So you were giving her cough medicine, right? Uh, how much medicine <laughs> did you give her? And she looked at my father, who had been caring for me all day. <laughs> he was sitting out on a couch, watching the last bit of football. He had been watching football all day, and um, clearly not keeping track of the doses. So I was just high as fuck. <laughs> Seeing all kinds of things, freaking out, and my mom sits me on a chair in the living room and looks at him and says, you did this, I'm going to bed. 
He's like, I got court in the morning. She said, I do too, bye. <laughs> this is what it's like living in a household with uh, two lawyer parents. Like nobody ever wins an argument. We're still in one right now, I'm sure of it. She goes, and as she goes, she turns out the light. And I look down, and by the light of the TV, I see that there are hundreds of thousands of little snakes crawling all over me. And I scream again, I'm freaking out. And my dad gets up, what's wrong, what's going on? He turns the light back on, and they disappear. And I look at him, and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> there was, I saw there was snakes there, and now they're not there. I know this seems crazy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but we have to keep the light on. Eventually, I'm just sitting in the chair, shaking, watching football that I didn't understand. <laughs> and my dad says, come on over. Come over to the couch and, and lay with me. And when I looked down at the floor to get over to him, all the floorboards were seesawing like this. And I could tell like a little bit of flame was coming up and some kind of dragon animal was between me and my father. And so I said, I'm so sorry. I really am so sorry, but I don't think I can make it across <laughs> the seesawing and the flames. Like, if it was just a dragon, I could do it, but all three things at once felt, it just felt like too much to ask of such a young person, you know? He got up, he walked over to me, and he tries to, again, lawyer, appeal to my sense of logic. I'm walking. I'm not moving. There's clearly nothing wrong with these floors. And I said, you are a daddy. I don't know what powers daddies have. <laughs> but if you want to carry me from here to there, then that's fine. And that's what he did. And we laid down together another sleepless night, watching football and whatever came on after football, something about cowboys. Not the cowboys, you know, but like cowboys. <laughs> and um, he just kind of wrapped me up in his arms and day broke and it was time for me to go back to school to daycare and I took my second nap of life that day and when I was talking about this with my parents uh, earlier this week my dad said to me you know I actually really remember that and I said well you should I don't know if you recall this, but it was all your fault. <laughs> and he said, I like that moment because it was one time where my little girl needed me and I could save her. So not all tripping balls hallucinations are bad. <laughs> Thank you. This last one is about black Twitter. Y'all remember the trap cover hashtag? Well, Corey got Twitter famous off of it. You first heard him in his story, Black Lives Matter is Real. All right, uh, I'm gonna start off with some questions. Yes, it is a story. Uh, whoever wanted to be famous in their life, just for a day? A couple of brave souls? Good luck. <laughs> it ain't fun. That's what my story's about to be about if you didn't connect those dots. So, 
Uh, back in February, you know, black Twitter be popping, you know. Uh, trap cover was the topic of the night. I hope y'all watched or tuned in or whatever. It was lit. Uh, we just proved that, you know, black people are still some of the most creative people ever in existence, but that's a side note. Um, so I was watching, I was like, yeah, I was on the phone with my girlfriend. She was like, yo, I'm about to come, whoop de whoop. I'm like, for sure. Let me go to Chipotle real quick. I bounce off the phone, Chipotle turned into like hour long Twitter conversation with myself and the internet. I'm on the internet, I'm like, yo, trap cover, this is dope. She's blowing my phone up, I'm like, airplane mode, I gotta record this. I'm about, like, <laughs> like this, is, this is about to happen. And then I'm on there, I'm like, oh, people doing the Beatles, Dixie Chicks, Britney Spears. I'm like, I'm gonna take him back to seventh grade. I'm gonna hit him with that plain white tees, hey there, Delilah. <laughs> I'm gonna hit him with that. So I'll go on YouTube. I'm sure you've done it. I hope you have. If you haven't, explore your freestyle abilities. Future like beat. That's all you need to type in on YouTube. You can start a mixtape right now. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Future like beat, bow. Beat came, I was like, this is lit, Millie Rye, here we go. I got the, <laughs> I went to Rap Genius, Rap Genius, it's called Genius.com, they wanted to water it down, I got the Hater Lila lyrics, I'm like, I'm about to sauce them up. <laughs> I'ma kill it with this one. Like everybody else, I noticed, I had to be different, my mama said be different. <laughs> they were using their phones, I could see the shaky hand, it was like, ha, ah, trap, no, no. I had the Mac, recorded it on the Mac, I'm like, Thank you, Job, for buying me this computer, because I'm broke. <laughs> I recorded it, and I'm like, cool, upload. I'm a regular person. I had like 200 followers on Twitter, regular guy. Kind of interesting if you like the Lakers. Shout out, you know me. Um, I post it. I post it, I'm like, cool, my girl about to be here soon. Let me go to Chipotle an hour later, after I should have been already done some other stuff, but you know, you just get caught up in the internet. Uh, get to Chipotle, I'm walking down, my phone's on like 70%. Zzz. Notification, Zzz. who this? Zzz. Homies, he made, yo, bro, I see you online. Zzz. 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 I'm like. <laughs> I get to Chipotle, yeah, let me get a uh, burrito bowl, whoop to whoop chicken. Nah, 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 black beans. Huh? Zzz. Sir, there's no phones in the. Zzz. Sir, can you put your. F Check out, sit down, eat. I'm walking back up the, f the, the hill to my house from Chipotle. Phone goes from 70% to 5%. I think my girl is trying to get a hold of me. I'm sorry, baby. Uh, like, I've found out when you get so many notifications, your phone just becomes innate like it just can't it can't do phone things I don't know what phone <laughs> things are but if there were phone things it was like bah, I don't know what's going on right now <laughs> like <laughs> this is tripping uh people people hit me hitting me up on Twitter and it was crazy like I remember when I went to sleep it was like like 700 I was like oh that's all right like cats had like 10,000 retweets 10,000 likes I'm like I'm a small fry I'm from <laughs> I mean, I'm a regular guy, I had 200 followers, like it was, it was nothing, and I was like, you know, this, this is good, like this is enough for me. My phone's dead, 
My girlfriend's already upset, and she asked me, and I lied. I'm sorry, but it's love. You know, she was like, you know, uh, like, were you uh, avoiding me? Like, did you go on Twitter? I'm like, Twitter? You ain't on Twitter. <laughs> talking about Twitter? Nah, I wasn't on Twitter. She was like, you're viral. <laughs> you're lying and you're viral. You're viral. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> to speed up the story, I wake up. My coworker hits me. This, was, this is actually where the story takes a turn. Uh, about, like, if you want to be famous, you might want to reconsider. Uh, <laughs> Normal person, still a normal person. I wake up, my coworkers are like, hey, I saw you on Twitter moments. My mom hits me up, oh, I saw you on this Facebook video. What's complex, Corey? I'm like, complex? <laughs> what you talking about? She's like, it's this video, there was like, hot new trap covers. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was my four-eyed self, and they took a snippet from my, my Twitter video and threw it on complex, threw it on BuzzFeed, Dude on Twitter moments, I'm like, ooh, yeah, somebody gonna reach. Nobody reached out. Uh, <laughs> that didn't happen. It was it was a long. But my coworker hit me up like 8 a.m. in the morning. She's like, yo, saw you on Twitter moments. I loved it. I didn't know you were talented. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, what do you, what do you, what do you? I was like, at that point, I didn't know I was in Twitter moments, and I was just like. I'm on Twitter moments. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And people started hitting me up that I have not talked to in so long. Then I get to work, and all my coworkers is like, oh man, I didn't know you were a rapper. And I was just like, <laughs> a rapper? I sell software, Playboy. Like, <laughs> mind you, work in tech only black person at the company. <laughs> Blessing and a curse. Uh, I turned into like a company meme. It was, it was, I mean, it was like good. It was like nothing bad. I didn't use the N word or any curse words. <laughs> so they weren't concerned about that, but my CEO, he was like, CEO was like, because uh, on my Twitter bio, it was like, yo, such and such. I do such and such. I work at such and such. And he's like, oh, people hit me up like, hey, I saw such and Corey on Insta uh, Twitter moments and da, da, da. And he was like, oh, we're like, what's that about? Like, do you support that? Support what, bruh? <laughs> What do you mean do you support that? And it, it kind of put me in a weird position. It's like, now I'm in a, a room with my CEO, and he's like, hey, some of our clients who pay us hundreds of thousands a month hit me up about you being Twitter famous, and they were concerned. And I was just like, are they concerned because my melanin's popping? <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> I am confused. Um, but it, no, it, it really turned into, I had to turn my Twitter notifications off because the downside of like being internet famous for your 15 seconds of fame for however that long that lasts is like, it's like the comment section of YouTube. Uh, it's great people like, oh, you gonna do the whole song? I'm like, yeah, I'm a shucking job. Like, no, I'm not, I'm sorry. Um, 
I'm not. I'm sorry. That's not me. It was fun when it lasted. But it's not fun anymore. Being in my DMs saying, you trying to, no, I don't want to be featured on your mixtape. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't. Um, and that's when I kind of realized, like, do you know who you are in terms of other people's eyes? Because there's been a couple few times we're like, oh, weren't you the guy on the Twitter moments? And it's like, yeah, but I actually teach kids every other Saturday. And I like used to be in, I have a regular life. People only saw me for that 15 seconds of fame. That, 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 was my, that is my identity to thousands of people. I don't exist as a normal person. I was in interviews, and they were like, oh, I think I know you from somewhere. You're from Twitter, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm from Twitter. <laughs> and the moral of the story is like, something so small is like, oh, yeah, like, right before Chipotle, trap, cover, it's lit. This is about to be good, it's about to be big. And then still what, three, four months later, it's like people recite, hey there, Delilah. Hey there, Delilah, hey there, Delilah. But <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up, I'm gonna wrap it up, but things to consider when you're on I mean like you never really know when you're gonna go viral unless you're like King Bach or one of those internet famous type is is this an identity you can uphold? Um, for me, I found out it wasn't. Hey there, Delilah. What's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you, ah, yeah, you look so pretty, yeah. Ladies and gents, that wraps up our first season. Look out for season two in September. In the meantime, Check out youhidemeatblack.com to join the conversation over email, Twitter, and Instagram. Last but not least, we believe everyone has a story to tell. If you'd like to share one on the podcast, visit youhidemeatblack.com slash tell a story. See you soon! Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, visit youadmeatblack.com slash review to leave a review and subscribe. 